All right, welcome to the Tap In Masterclass, where today you're gonna learn how to master your intuition and your goals. First of all, thank you for joining me, and I appreciate you sharing your time with me. My goal is to make sure that you learn as much as you possibly can about how to master your goals and your intuition using the Tap In system. So the Tap In system is based on the acronym Tap In. So you're gonna help, you're gonna find your target, your aim, your purpose, your intention, and your intuition. So hold on tight because it's gonna be a wonderful class and you're going to get a lot out of it. So make sure you have notes that you can write things down, particularly the questions that'll help reveal the answers that only you have that will help you reach your goals. So go ahead and like and subscribe, click the button down below, and let's go ahead and get started. Now, a lot of people are interested in the idea of gems, right? Everybody wants to find gems. So we're gonna give you those gems, and here they are right here. So you have the gems, and in each one of these gems, you're gonna learn something new, and you're gonna learn how to use this acronym, TAP IN. We think about goal setting. It's very easy to forget the system that you have in place. And systems are so important because banks don't invest in people, they invest in systems. Winners use systems, losers have goals. So what we ultimately wanna do is be move from a position of just having goals to creating a system for ourselves that, are, that is going to help us reach whatever goal we set for ourselves and we're gonna be able to repeat it over and over and over again. So go ahead and put a one in the chat and let's go ahead and get started. So let's begin. First gem that we're gonna go over, your target. To what do you seek to reach? Now your target is very, very, very important. It's not enough to just say, well, my target is over there and that's what I'm gonna go for. When you think about a target, just like in this image in front of you, the target has an outer rim and then an inner rim. And in the inside, you have the bullseye. So that's exactly what it is that you are ultimately seeking to achieve. Now, if you're in the impeccable success system, you already know that most of what we desire is not even our own desires. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, from the age of two, you have been marketed to. The United States is one of the few countries, I believe there's only two countries in the world, that can legally market to children as young as two years old. So from the age of two, you've been sold a bill of goods. And at a very young age, your consciousness doesn't filter out images the same way that it does for an adult. So what you see, you believe to be true. You see those animated uh, rabbits or whatever is in the commercial design for kids, you think is real. So from the age of two, we have been programmed, or if you prefer, put under a spell of marketing. In many cases, what we ultimately desire is not even our own. Why do you want that Rolex? Why do you want that Bentley or that Lexus? Why do you want that house? Why do you want those new pair of Jordans, right? Have you ever wondered why? Well, if you've ever purchased anything and not known why, that's because the programming has done exactly what it needed to do, which is to convince you to buy something with no rational decision behind it at all. And that's a very powerful tool that's often used against people and their ability to make rational economic decisions. In the United States of America, the capitalistic system and the economics that we use, there's three different types, the monetarist, Keynesian, and Austrian. The economic systems that we use that reign supreme in today's world is based on the idea that people make rational decisions, but we know that that's not the case at all. 
right? So that's essentially a myth. And economics is a soft science. It's not the same as, uh, you know, the study of biology or the study of the stars, say physics. It's very difficult to prove certain concepts. So let's look at why we hold the paradigms that we hold. Well, the first one is how we learn to communicate and think of concepts and ideas through business. So from the age of two, if you're like most Americans, you've been trained to be a consumer. And the biggest difference between what the wealthy consume and the average person is that the wealthy spend just as much, it's that they buy assets that produce additional assets. The poor, it's not that at all. They turn their cash into trash. So we know that the market plays a role. Someone else's strategy is being used to achieve goals that are not yours. And that's very dangerous. When you put that in the perspective, their strategy is to turn you, turn you into consumer. And when you look up the etymology and the meaning of the word consumer, it essentially means a person who turns something of value into waste. So the last thing that you want to be is a consumer. It's their strategy, not yours. So we're looking for the light. We're looking for what we ultimately want to have in our lives. And Sir Francis Bacon, who was a judge and a scientist, and he was so intellectually developed and thought that he came up with a scientific method of inquiry that we use today. And a lot of his ideas bucked the system at the time because they flew in the face of traditional reasoning, which was based on Aristotelian logic. And Sir Francis Bacon said that we have these things called the idols. There were four idols. And the first one was the idols of the mind. The things that humans are born with that are incorrect or faulty ways of thinking. We all have this. Then you have the idols of the cave. So in your family and in your home, you have the idols of the cave. What your family believes in. Think of old wives' tales or the idea of generational curses. And remember, a curse is a label to describe or a label to name the patterns of behavior that families uh, exhibit. So there is no such thing as a generational, that's a curse, that's a label that people have placed on there. So we have the idols of the mind, the idols of the cave, and then we have the idols of the tribe. So that is the neighborhood that you live in. Or if you're a fan, the beliefs and the ideas and concepts that your sports team and the members that are part of the sports team believe in. Then you have idols of the marketplace. So we started with the idols of the marketplace. And the idols of the marketplace were how language can confuse the way we think because you call it one thing, I call it another, and there is oftentimes a miscommunication. Even the idea of money. Most people know money as dollars, but that's not money. That is fiat currency. Money is actual silver and gold, and throughout history it's been tulips, or it's been gold, silver, it's been seashells, it's been words were once a form of currency. They still are today. Because if I give you a new word that you can name something with, it creates additional value in our relationship. Relationship. The ship that we are on, and how we relate to each other as we move through this journey of life. See how valuable that word is? So we know that it's their strategy in marketing, not yours. 
So you have the idols of the cave, which we briefly touched upon. When you think about the neighborhood and the family that you live in, um, the ideas and the concepts. For example, where did you learn how to love? Who gave you the idea of love and how you should carry out that act? Most likely you learned it from your parents or your guardian, television, uh, movies, social media, and in many cases, music. But is that what love is? Or, or is it someone else's interpretation? And that doesn't mean that they don't have your best intention in mind. In fact, most of the time what they're doing is sharing what their belief is about that idea. And if we just don't think about it and we adopt it as our own, then it creates confusion as we navigate and try and move through life successfully. So you wanna find your own life. You wanna find what does success mean to you? How would you define that term? Success is an abstract concept which means it, it does not exist in reality. I can point to my glasses and say to you, you know, these are glasses, or this is a remote, or this is a blazer. Those are things that I can show you. They materially exist. Success is an abstract concept. Love is an abstract concept. So you can say, but you know, I can show you what success is. That guy just bought a house. Well, that's a person buying a house. But to someone else, that's not what success is. What if someone else already owns 10 houses? Success for them might be lowering their blood pressure. Success for them might be rekindling their relationship with their wife or their husband. Success for them might be spending quality time with their children every single day, right? Success for someone else could be getting married. Success for another person could be getting the brakes fixed on their car. Success is very subjective. And because of that, you have to define it for yourself, by yourself. And in many cases, terms like this, you should not rely on other people giving you their definition of what success is. If they do, you don't just adopt it and accept it as is. What you do is you say, that's an interesting concept. Let me see how I can integrate that in my life. So you wanna find your own light. We wanna be able to apprehend Go out and grasp our definition of success. Understand it, so stand under the idea that we've created for ourselves and comprehend it, meaning we are making it a part of who we are. So if success for you is losing 50 pounds in the next six months to a year, then that is success for you and that is going to carry you through your daily activities over the next year. If success for you is earning $100,000, then that is going to dictate the activities that you engage in over the next year, every single day, that'll move you closer and closer to ultimately reaching that goal. So finding your target is that idea of the bullseye and you being able to separate all the extra extraneous activities and ideas and suggestions that society, the marketplace, your family has given you and to hone in on exactly what you want. So imagine if you're 80 years old and you were reflecting back on your life and you have succeeded and your spirit hasn't been crushed and you are excited because you've ended one chapter and now you're beginning another. What did you accomplish? Or think about this. If you were to write your own autobiography, what would be the beginning, middle, and end? What would be the table of contents? What would you have accomplished? That is your version 
of success, which is so much more powerful than all the other versions that have been handed to us. Remember, in ancient times, they were more focused on spirituality. In modern times, people are more focused on materialism and how materialism is somehow reflective of their spiritual expression. But as someone who has had the opportunity to work with people who are billionaires, you expressing yourself spiritually and being extraordinarily wealthy oftentimes has nothing to do with what you can brag about materially. Resources are important, but the resources you have in being able to discover and find exactly where you're aiming for and headed toward life is far more valuable. So know these words, the truth, the alpha, the beginning, the truth about goals, their desires, the marketing and the strategy and the advertising are often the same ones that you hold and never question. Why do you want those things? What will it do for you when you have them? How many people have you read about who become successful celebrity wise or wealth wise and they're still not happy? It happens. It's a reality. So what is the power of goal setting? The target is the way. Whatever your bullseye is, that is the path that you're walking. That creates the route for you to move forward. So people will often say, well, I have these goals and I don't know where to start. Whatever the goal is that you have essentially creates a path for you. That is the way. So you're going to make sure you align your values, your beliefs, your attitudes, your thoughts, your emotions, and your habits, patterns of behavior with that target. Now, the recipe of goal failure. Why do people fail at goals? Think about this for a moment. Go ahead and write down two or three reasons why people fail goals at reaching their goals. Now, some people will say, well, they just give up. Or they, you know, they, uh, they say, I'm going to do it later on. Maybe not today. I'm not going to work on it today because it's raining or I'm tired or whatever. I'm going to work on it tomorrow. So they keep pushing it back and back and back and kicking the can down the road. Another reason why people fail at setting goals is that they create goals that are too unrealistic. They're too far out there. The person has never made more than $1,000, but their goal is to make $100 million this year. Now that isn't to say that they can't reach it, but it's highly, highly unlikely because they haven't even created a system for generating $1,000, let alone $100 million. So think about what are other ways in which people have failed to reach their goals, maybe even you or people that you're close to. Now, there are self-imposed landmines where a person just sabotages. They say, you know, I'm going to start this goal and I'm going to wait until January 1st. Well, that's the new year culturally, but your birthday often can be said that that is your new year. That is a new year of your life. You can set goals or resolutions for yourself at any point in time. But if you keep pushing it back and back and back, you're self-sabotaging. So oftentimes what you'll notice is for yourself or others, the reason why they're unable to reach their goals is that there are internal factors that get in the way. The external ones are few and far between. Yes, you could say work, you can say family, you could say a lack of a car, so on and so forth. But that hasn't stopped others from pursuing their goals. So really, when you think about it, it's the internal factors. Procrastination, laziness, lack of motivation, lack of commitment, lack of will, 
lack of knowledge, being able to go out and figure out, okay, I wanna go from here to here, but what do I need to do in between to build that bridge? So here are goal achievement techniques. We wanna become the greatest of all time. We have goals of passion, and these are vitally important. So goals of passion are gonna help you become the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Whatever goals you set for yourself, they should always be fueled by your passion for achieving that goal. If you have no interest whatsoever in earning $100,000 over the next 30 days, then you most likely won't because the emotional energy won't be channeled in a way that'll help you earn that money. If you have no interest whatsoever in losing 50 pounds in the next year, then you most likely won't. If you're not passionate about improving your health and making your life better and living a longer, higher quality of life, you will not reach that. So what you're seeking to do is align your emotional energy with the goals that you have. And so this begs the question, well, how do I do that? The way that you align your emotional energy toward reaching your goal is by the thoughts you are carrying that'll help fuel your body into producing the chemicals that create the feelings that we label as emotions. So let me break this down for you. Emotions and feelings are two separate things, but they are connected. The word, so the emotions are the label that we give the feelings of the chemicals moving through our body. When you have an experience or you think something that creates the images which cause an experience, your body produces chemicals like norepinephrine, epinephrine, acetylcholine, GABA, uh, oxytocin, when you feel like you're in love with someone, your body is going to produce those feelings. Through the use of our language, we have learned to label those feelings. And the label has a description. So you might say, well, right now I'm angry, because that's what you're feeling, the chemicals flowing through your body. Now in America, the average American adult only has 12 words to describe the way they feel, but there's actually 4,000 different words. So if I only gave you, or your parents or your guardian only gave you 12 words, that's all you ever know. You might actually feel frustrated or peeved, but all you've ever been taught is the word anger, and that's the one you use. So if you learn to take that feeling, those chemicals flowing through your body, and you say you label it as anger, and then you use it to create a book that you've been meaning to write, or start the process of beginning to create a business, or to go and exercise. Now, your goal is being fueled by your passion. This is why your passion is so important. You may be tired, you work 12 hours the whole day, intellectually you've been overstimulated, and you just wanna rest and you come home and you look at the situation that you're in, and you're so frustrated by it, most people what they do is they just give up. It's called learned helplessness or learned hopelessness. They give up. What you can now do is take that emotional energy and you have, your, you have your moment where you say, you know what, F this. I need to go ahead and I need to work out or write that book or create that business or make that phone call. So what you do is you take that emotional energy and you put it directly into what you need to do right now in your life that is gonna help make your life better or those you love. Goals of passion are powerful. So passion and purpose are Siamese twins. When they work together, they'll move you much faster and farther in life than if you don't bring those two in the same realm. So we want passion and purpose. 
What are you going for? Your target and why are you going for it? That why is directly connected to your passion. I'm going for it because I want my children to have a better future. I'm going for it because I want to live longer. I don't want to die of a heart attack or a stroke. I'm going for it because I have something of value to offer the rest of the world and business and I want to be able to do that. That's a win-win situation. So knowing why, why do you want to hit that target? Will help support that passion and the passion will support your why. Now AIM. So AIM, we can use the acronym any insight matters. So anything you learn that is revealed that's happened to you in the past or is happening now, when you reflect on that experience and you go into it knowing, I've been through this experience, what lessons did I miss? Because I want to carry that forward with me. So any insight you gain matters because it'll help you tighten up your aim. Imagine that you are shooting a bow and arrow or even a gun, right? And you're thinking about, okay, the wind now all of a sudden picks up on your right. That is insight. You're thinking about how much pressure you're putting on the trigger, or how much uh, you're pulling on the bow, right? Any new information matters because like the pieces of a puzzle, if I only give you 10 pieces of a thousand piece puzzle, each new piece that I give you is extraordinarily valuable. It's more valuable than the previous one. Any insight that you can gain from what around you matters. So you become incredibly realistic as to your situation, good, bad, and interesting. So what's good in life? What's frustrating, i.e. bad? And then what's interesting? So what is available that you haven't tapped into? What is available that you've acknowledged but you really haven't done anything with? Any insight matters. So here's our strategy. We're gonna talk about our objective. Know these words. Any insight matters. Aim. Visualize your goals. Now there were studies done in the 1960s and 70s with Olympic athletes where they hooked their uh, electrodes up to their head and they were able to monitor brain activity. And what they found is that when you visualize achieving something or going through the process, your brain fires as if you're actually doing it. When you visualize your goal and you create it in as much and as rich detail as possible, you are essentially knocking down future impediments and barriers by detecting future barriers or challenges you'll have to overcome. And in the military, they call this wargaming. So what you're doing is you're simulating what could potentially happen in the future. So you're focused on visualizing your goal. And when you do that, the obstacles start to pop up. And you say, well, okay, so I need to overcome this. If I want to lose 50 pounds in the next year, then there's a possibility. I may not be able to walk outside because of the rain or it might be neighbor, uh, dangerous in your neighborhood. So then you can say, well, what is my contingency plan? Let me visualize what I'm going to do if things don't work out the way that I want them to on the day that I'm trying to perform the activity that will help me reach my goals. Or what about if your goal is to make $100,000 over the next six months? And for whatever reason, you lose your website and you have to start all over from scratch. Well, if you're visualizing your goal and that obstacle pops up, you can now visualize a contingency plan in dealing with the goal. So you're simulating 
what could potentially happen. And this is very similar to what is taught at elite universities, for example, Harvard University, when they use case studies, where you get to study an example of when a business was confronted with a decision and you can reflect and ask yourself, what would you do in that situation? And then you can read and continue to read and go through the case study and see what the outcome was. And you can match and see if you came up with a similar conclusion. So you visualize your goals. This is what life design and wargaming is. Being able to visualize you having succeeded and along the way, your subconscious mind will provide you with obstacles that you may not have normally thought up consciously, or maybe you did, but now you have additional two or three obstacles that you're aware of. And now your brain has been sensitized to them, and now you can think through how you're going to deal with them. So when you think about your goals, you have short goals and long goals. The short goals are like stepping stones. You're trying to cross a stream. You have 50 feet that you need to cross. And you have these stones with you that you can place just in front of you to help you get there. Most people will try and run metaphorically and jump across and they won't make it. But if you have these stepping stone goals, these short goals, they're going to get you there. Now, another way of thinking of your short term goals is to call them process goals. These are goals that are activities that you do that are part of the process of reaching the long term goal. So for example, if your goal is to lose 50 pounds over the next six months, a process goal would be to exercise three days a week for 30 minutes and you walk. That's a process goal. The long-term goal, the outcome goal, is you having lost the 50 pounds. You having decreased your blood pressure, your bad cholesterol, increased your good cholesterol, increased your cardiovascular health and your lung strength. So you have these process goals, stepping stones, and then you have your outcome goals. These are the long-term goals, the result goals. Now you want to prioritize and set your goals. How do you do that? Well, let's say your outcome goal is to lose 50 pounds in the next six months. Your process goals will be to eat a healthy diet throughout the day, to exercise, to meditate, focus on stress relieving activities, to do detoxes once a month, right? Anything along those lines. And to supplement if you're lacking in nutritional uh, vitamins or you have a deficiency. So what you do is you say, okay, I have these process goals, these stepping stone goals in front of me, and I have 10 of them, for example. How do I prioritize them? Well, think about this. Which one of those goals, if you were to complete right now, or activities, which one of those activities would have the greatest payoff for you if you completed it today. That's your number one process goal. And that's the one you should start with. Now what's number two? That's the second one. What's number three? That's the third. So you can stop right there. If you have a list of 10, you have three stepping stones that you can operate with right now. And then you just go ahead and get started on the first one. Keep going, keep pushing. Then you do the second one. Keep going, keep pushing. Then you do the third. Now you could say, well, Rule, what about goals that you, you can do and you can do them together in parallel? That's fine. You still start with the most important one first. You do that and it's not fully completed. You haven't done six months of exercising three days a week, but then you go to the second goal. So you might say, Monday, my goal is 
to lose the 50 pounds in six months. So on Monday, what I'm going to do is exercise for 30 minutes. But in the morning, my second priority is my nutrition. I'm gonna make sure that I have a smoothie in the morning. I'm gonna make sure I have my lunch all planned out so I don't go to a restaurant and blow the money and eat unhealthy foods. I'm gonna make sure that I have a meal plan for dinner as well. So those are two goals that are working in tangent with one another. Now, organization is incredibly important because just like anything, if you're not organized, it's very easy to be a falling leaf hating the wind. When the wind blows, the leaf just blows with it. And so you get sidetracked, you get distracted. And when we organize our goals, we have something to fall back on in the event that things don't work out the way that we want them to work out. Now, a meme right now is the whole idea of mindset. So let's think about that word, for example. When you, when you set your mind on something, you're committed to achieving it. Too often, many people will have the mindset of doing A without ever exploring that there's B, C, and D in front of them, and they've been there the whole time. Let's take the example of somebody who loses their job and they say, okay, I need to go online and I need to do a web search and go to jobs, websites, looking for a job in the exact same field that I need. Another option might be this. Why don't you think about how much money you would like to earn or you need to earn for a year, the salary. And then when you go online and you search for these jobs, make a list of jobs that'll pay you that amount in which you have transferable skills. Now you could argue and say, well, it's very unlikely I'll get that job, but it's likely. And ultimately what you're looking for is to earn a certain amount, unless your job is focused on less of the money and more of the fulfillment of what you previously did. So you can look at the options without prejudging and displaying a prejudice of making a decision. So this is where the idea of mind flex is so important. You want to be flexible in your mindsets. Your mind should be set once you view the options and you know which path to take. Now you set your mind to it, you're committed, you're ready to go. So always look at how you're organizing your activities and always look at the options that are available to you. Some are not obvious. And so once you've written down or you've tallied up the options that are obvious, ask yourself this question, what else could I be doing that I haven't listed that'll help me reach my goals? And if you're at a loss for ideas, look at role models. Who are other people who have done it? And what was the path that they took? There's so many different paths up the mountain to success. Because remember, success is subjective. So you wanna focus on looking at the options, then you set your mind and you stay committed and you keep going. So when we think about our goals, right? There's what we have within us, there's the structure that we have in society, the systems we operate in, the judicial system, political system, economic system, and we have our own internal beliefs and ideas about who we are and ultimately what we want to achieve. Now, recognizing and being aware of each and every one of these is very important. One of the greatest breakthroughs that you can make for yourself is by looking at what are things you like about yourself? What are qualities, characteristics, and traits that you like about yourself? And then look out, scan, look at your options out in the world, other people you admire that have qualities and traits and what's different compared to them and you. 
And then you focus on developing the skills, talents, traits, abilities, characteristics that the people you admire have. And you start to shape and tailor your individual self so you can have those same skills, traits, characteristics and become better. And this is a great way to take the external and make it part of who you are, the internal. Now, once you have your mindset, once you've looked at your options, you've organized the tasks that you need to complete, you stay committed. You say, this is what I absolutely want. I know why. It's fueled by my passion. So I have my target. I know where my aim is. I'm looking for any additional insight because it matters. And I know what structures have been set up because I've created them for me. I've looked at the characteristics and traits of others. I know what I like about myself and I'm going to integrate those same characteristics and traits to make myself even better, to go through an upgrade, an innovation of you. So this is where you create a vision, a mission statement and a timeline. The purpose of your purpose is that deep layer. So if you were to create a mission statement that said, I am going to be successful by exercising three days a week for 30 minutes, I'm going to walk in the event I can't walk, I'm gonna march in place, I'm going to eat healthy meals three to five times a day, I'm gonna focus on stress relief so that I can lose 50 pounds and be healthier over the next year. That might be your mission statement and that is your vision. Without a vision, the people will perish. You've heard that before. So when you create a vision and a mission statement, companies and corporations do it all the time. Create one for yourself. That includes your process, stepping stones or short goals and the final outcome. So your mission statement is a statement about who you are, what you believe in, why you believe in it, and those process short goals that you're doing and the final outcome. It's not left to ambiguity. It's not vague. It has the ingredients right then and there. So some of you prefer to hear the word spell, right? You've spelled out everything correctly and you've cast that spell on you and it's your creation. Some of you don't like those esoteric terms. So we'll use the word programming or source code. You've created a program from which you can operate from to help you reach your goals. And this is very powerful. So you create that mission statement, i.e. your vision that includes your process, short-term goals, a statement about your identity, who you are, why you're going to achieve those goals, why you're passionate about it, so what's fueling it, and then the final outcome. And you can do this for any goal you have in life. And you see how we've moved from, I wanna achieve this, the goal aspect, to now creating an overarching system, a system of thought, a system of being and a system of action. Systems last. Blueprints don't. Remember that. A blueprint is like a backbone. The system is, here's the blueprint and here's how we're going to create what's on the blueprint. So we're moving closer and closer into creating that system for you. And anytime you set a goal for yourself, the first part of turning that goal into realization, to manifest the invisible and make it visible, is to organize the thoughts you need to think that are going to help you reach that goal. Hmm. 
My goal is to make $100,000 in the next six months. What thoughts do I need to carry with me every single day throughout the day to help me achieve that goal? See how we're looking at options first? Whereas many people will just say, well, you just do this, do this, do this, do this. Well, how do you know that that's the best route? You don't, because it's not guaranteed. The same way that if a person writes a book or creates a movie or writes a script, no one knows for sure if that book or movie or script is gonna do well. Can you increase the odds? Absolutely. But that's why you first focus on the options, which are what thoughts you need to think that are gonna help you get there. And that's why your vision and your mission statement is so important. Now your targets. You have your targets, you know what you want, you know why you want it. You know how to focus in on your aim, how to make that adjustment, because you fine tune your vision and your mission statement. Now we have the purpose. So the strategy here is to look deeper into why you want what you want. So here's our objective, to identify the hidden agenda. Know these words, your purpose. Accountability and the help of others. So the ability to account for what path you're walking. Getting others to support you is vital. Even if it's people who have long gone and passed away. What I mean by that is, if you have people in your family who've passed away who believed in you, what did they say or do that demonstrated their belief in you? Recall that moment or recall those words or experience. And when you feel like you don't want to focus on, you don't want to do the task that is going to help you reach your goal, like walk on the treadmill or make that phone call or write those pages for your book, just go back into the memory of the person who believed in you. Bring that forth. Summon that. And if there's people alive today who can help you, then you spend as much quality time as you can with them. Whether you sign up for our courses, the Impeccable Success System, or you sign up for other people's courses, you want to hold yourself accountable in spending time with other people that can also hold you accountable. So you create the idea of this, this mastermind that Andrew Carnegie taught Napoleon Hill, where you create this essentially additional mind through the group of you working together. But hold yourself accountable in how you spend time with others who can hold you accountable as well. So if you've ever seen the movie Groundhog's Day, the main character wakes up and every single day is the exact same day over and over and over again. That's how most people live their lives. And one of the worst thoughts that many people, not all, but many people who are not succeeding and reaching their goals and living a more fulfilling life realize is that their life could be exactly the same way as it is right now in the next 10 years. Earning the same amount, having the same toxic relationships, having the same unhealthy body, having the same unhealthy thoughts. It could be the same way 10 years from now. You don't want that for yourself, do you? Of course not. And the only way to break free from that is to focus on your targets, your aim, and your purpose, your big why. Now, think of a person who's helping you as a training partner. There's a big difference between saying, this is somebody who's in my network versus this is my training partner. We are training together on the path of success. The same way that Olympic athletes train or any uh, athlete, the way that they train, that's what you're doing with your partner. You're training to be successful. 
And the Navy SEALs, their training is a thousand times more dangerous than a real combat because they want to be absolutely certain, prepared for when they go into combat. So think about what you're ultimately trying to achieve. And you have somebody who's there to support you, significant other, or your brother, or your sister, or your grandma, or whoever, right? A friend. And think of what you all, what you're doing as training. You're training to be successful. And again, this falls back into the idea of lifestyle design. You're designing better activities and ways of being as you move through life versus just taking what's been given to you. Now we need to always adapt to our needs. What do we need to do right now and in the future? When Darwin talked about the word survival, survival of the fittest, the word fit or fittest to him during his time meant how well you could adapt or fit in the environment you were in. It had nothing to do with being the strongest or the swiftest or the fast. Those are good attributes, but you don't always need to be the fastest. Cheetahs are becoming, if they aren't already, an endangered species because they're so specialized. They're very fast, but being too specialized can create a situation where you're unable to adapt. We want to make sure that we can adapt to whatever situation we fall into. And the key to doing that is to ask yourself always, what do I need to do or think in this situation that I'm in? So you want to invest in you. Read, study, and apply. Some people will say, well, I don't have mentors. They're very difficult to find. You're right. In many cases, it can be, but it's primarily based off of a lack of courage on your part. You'd be surprised how many people, if you reach out to them and say, can you mentor me, will say yes. And oftentimes, they might charge you for a class or you might have to pay for the book that the person wrote. But that's what you're looking for is mentorship. If you aren't paying in money, then you're definitely paying in time. No matter what, it's not never going to be free. But invest in you. Read, study, and most importantly, apply what it is that you're reading and studying. It's much better to apply something you just got from a book than to go out and get a whole nother book. Because you want to test and see, is the author correct? Is their method, is their system, is their hypothesis accurate? Now, the word favorite is two words, favor and rights. So when you think about your favorite book, the word right means a ritual uh, that you go through. And favor means something of your liking that matches who you are when you look up the etymology of these words. So your favorite book should be the book that you've written based upon what you've applied from reading other books. Because that is a book about what you've learned and what you intend to do with what you've learned. Now we want to overcome the negative with powerful positives. And this is where the idea of levels of vibration and consciousness come from. It's not enough to say, I am going to uh, be healthy. It's too vague, too ambiguous. Most people say, I can't do something. It adds no value whatsoever to a situation. If you say that to yourself and you say, or you say that to another person, there's no value added there. What you really mean to say is, I find the situation challenging now. And that's very important to be able to discern and make sure that you are not using that terminology. And that is essentially, your, that is a person who is operating at a lower level of frequency. And we want to avoid that at any and all costs. 
we want to make sure that we're not operating at that same level. We want to make sure that we are operating at the best level possible. So we want to use words like I will or I must. When you start to get to I could or I can, or I will or I must, or how will I, then you are moving through a higher level of consciousness. You're vibrating and you're speaking and you're thinking at a higher frequency. That is very, very important. Now let's look at keeping your goals alive. How do you do that? Well, when you do an activity that is supporting your goals, like walking, like investing in assets, like writing the pages of your book, you reflect upon your activity, your behavior, the experience, so you debrief. And then you look at the lessons you can learn from it. What could you have done better? What did you do great? And that creates structure. And what these two do is they create a better circumstance for you moving forward. Because you now have information that you can use and you can apply in the next time you go through that activity or experience. So if you're walking on a treadmill, you know what works, an incline of, let's say, 4% at a speed of 8. That's creating structure. And so you find yourself the next day having that experience and being in that circumstance, and now it's better because of what you've set up your debrief and how you've structured what you've learned and how you're going to use it moving forward. Now, it's important to assess. You want to measure your progress now, in the moment. You just finished. How well did you do? You walked or you saved and invested or you started writing those pages for your book or you started your LLC and you just finished. How well would you assess your progress? And then you have two. How well or how much progress have you made toward that outcome goal, the long-term goal? So let's break this down. First assessment is now. How well did you do today? On a scale from one to five, five being you exceeded your expectations, one being you didn't even try. You measure your progress. Today I was able to walk for 20 minutes instead of 30, so I did try, but I didn't complete the whole 30, so I'm gonna give myself a three and a half or a four out of five. Now, how close am I to reaching that long-term goal? Well, I can check off that I've done at least 20 minutes. So I'm one workout in toward my long-term goal, and I have, let's say, 50 workouts to go. So I got 49 workouts to go, but I'm one in. So you measure your short-term process goal, how well did you do, and how well does that match the long-term goal? How much further do you have to go? If you didn't do anything at all, then you still are right back to square one. If you put one workout in, or you found an investment to make, or you wrote three pages but your goal was five, you're still making progress. Abraham Lincoln had a great quote that went, I never walk fast, or I'm sorry, I may not walk fast, but I never walk backwards. So what he's essentially saying is, I may not go make leaps and bounds toward the goals I have, but I'm never just gonna stand still or regress. That's the type of paradigm you wanna hold as you move forward. Now let's think about your intention, your timeline. When it comes to intention and what you ultimately want to achieve and this idea of contingency plans and visualization, think about this. You have your goal. If What are three things that could derail you from reaching that goal? So let's say your goal is to lose 50 pounds. What are three things that could derail you? Number one, you're eating out all the time. Number two, your treadmill breaks down. Number three, you get injured. 
for each one of those if statements, if scenarios, write what you're going to do to overcome it. Write down, if my treadmill breaks down, then I'm going to walk outside. If it's raining too much or it's too cold or it's too dangerous in your neighborhood, then you're gonna march in place. If I don't feel like exercising, then I'm going to exercise while I watch my favorite TV show. If um, I get injured, then I'm not gonna walk, I'm gonna do upper body exercises using bands and dumbbells. So think of three things, obstacles, that could get in your way of achieving your goal, and how are you going to overcome them? If this happens, then you're going to do that. Now these are threat levels. Those, those obstacles can, are not checked and not dealt with, can get to a point where they completely derail you from reaching your goal. So know these words. Make an action plan. If this happens, then you're going to do that. Have a vision. Always rely on the vision that you've created for yourself, that mission statement, because it contains your identity, your beliefs, why, your passion, and then the process and outcome. This is where you express that uh, mission statement. And from this, you're creating that plan. If this happens, this is what I'm gonna do, and this is how I'm going to do it. If the treadmill breaks down, then I'm gonna march in place. And march in place might be boring, but you're gonna make sure that you have a glass of water there for you, your favorite TV show on, or your favorite music to listen to, and that's what you're gonna focus on so you can overcome that challenge. The other part of your plan is you've set goals. You have clear goals that are based upon your vision, your mission statement, and your big why. Now, one of the easiest tools you can use is what's called don't break the chain. Every time you complete a process goal, one of those short stepping stone goals, on a calendar, put an X on that day or a check mark, and over a period of time, you're gonna have a series of X's and a series of checks, and the goal here is to not break the chain. You're gonna have 20 something days of excess and it creates a chain. Each day that goes by, this chain gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And studies have shown that after 66 days, guess what? Your goal has now become a habit. And a habit is nothing more than a pattern of behavior. So don't break the chain. Get help from others. We talked about being able to have a training partner, people who can hold you accountable, joining the Impeccable Success Program, the course that I teach, uh, that goes over seven degrees and there's people in there who are going through exactly what you're going through and we all hold each other accountable These this will create a situation where your goals are supported They're propped up with a strong foundation as you begin to build those pillars as you move forward toward your long-term goals and You also have a plan of assessing and reviewing measuring how well did I do in my workout today? Or how well did I do in writing these pages and review? What went well, what didn't go well? What can you do differently in the future? Condition and discipline your mind. Now over time, this is exactly what happens. The word discipline, the root of it means to self-teach. So when you discipline yourself, it's not, your, it's not you, that you are providing punishment to yourself. You're learning from what you just went through. And you're disciplining your mind to hold what you've learned for as long as possible. This creates the effect of conditioning, mental conditioning. And we know that your words are powerful. So what you say to yourself matters. When you feel downtrodden or you want to give up, 
It's because you're reinforcing it or you started as a catalyst using words that are going to make you feel like you want to give up. De depressed, frustrated, downtrodden, want to give up. In the same way you can say words that are going to help you be successful. Yes, this is challenging right now, but you know what? If I just stick with it a little bit longer, I can do it. Or yes, this is challenging right now, but if I just go back and I say, well, what worked in the past or what is something I can learn new that will help me because I'm having a little bit of an issue here. Let's say you're starting a business and you're having difficulty marketing. You can learn from others. And a lot of the information that you need is free and the premier premium information, you just pay for a course or a book. And then we have the shape of powerful beliefs. The beliefs we have were given to us or we've chosen to adopt and integrate those beliefs. Well, you can create new beliefs for yourself. And the same way that you're walking around telling yourself that you're not going to make it, you're too tired, others aren't going to like it, you're not going to be successful, you can flip those and say the opposite. See how many things will change in your life once you've done that, especially as it relates to the goals you have for yourself. So many people walk around saying, well, I deserve this or I deserve that. And you ask them why. What evidence do you have to support why you deserve that? Well, I don't have any then you don't actually deserve those goals. Those are just wishes. But if you do deserve it because you've been putting in the work, the odds of you completing or obtaining those goals go up astronomically. So you can create more powerful beliefs by just focusing on what thoughts you need to create for yourself. Your belief affects your attitude, which affects your action, which affects your results. The Lord of our actions are our beliefs. Let me say that again. The Lord of our actions are our beliefs. So we want to make sure we discard the ones that were given to us that were useless or the ones we adopted and integrated on our own. And we want to upgrade and innovate new beliefs for ourselves because that's what's going to help you get there. So now we have intuition and we have a timeline here as well. Now here's how you can develop your intuition through practice and skill. I want you to do this. Take a moment, close your eyes, and I want you to imagine that you are going to focus on your timeline. Think about where your past is. If you close your eyes and you were to point in the direction of your past, would it be up, down, left, right, in front of you or behind you. Point in the direction of your past. And once you've done that, I want you to open your eyes and I want you to look at where you've pointed. Now most people have probably pointed to their left or behind them, but it doesn't matter. If you, haven't, if you pointed in a different direction, that's fine. You're creating a reference point. Now what I want you to do is this. Close your eyes again. And I want you to imagine a narrow path that only you can walk as if it's shaped and tailored just for you. And I want you to walk along that path towards your past. I want you to keep walking. And the more you walk, the more familiar the past feels. And I want you to go to a point in time where you made a mistake. And it's a situation or an experience that you know has held you back now and I want you to go to that experience and I want you to see yourself in the past 
And as you get closer to your past self, your past self turns around and tells you exactly the lesson that you missed along the way because you were too upset or you were too distracted and you weren't able to carry that lesson with you. What is it? Go ahead and spend 30 seconds just listening. And when you have the answer, I want you to hold on to it. So go ahead and spend 30 seconds listening. Now here's what I want you to do. Keep your eyes closed and walk back along that path toward today, right now. So you're moving from your past to the present. And as you get closer to the present, to right now, it begins to feel more and more comfortable. And now you're here. And I want you to open up your eyes and whatever answer your past self provided you, that lesson that you missed because you were too emotional in that situation or too distracted, go ahead and write that answer down. Go ahead and write it down. Okay, now, when you're ready, close your eyes again, and I want you to point to where your future is. For some people, it's going to be up, forward, or to their right. If yours isn't any one of those, that's okay. But keep your eyes closed and just imagine pointing in the direction of your future. Okay, open up your eyes and look at where you pointed. Now I want you to close your eyes again. And now imagine a narrow path and you're gonna walk along that path. And it's perfectly fit just for you, nobody else. And the more you walk that path, the more comfortable it feels. And you're anticipating with excitement where it's headed. And you see your future self. And your future self has their back turned. And as you get closer, they turn around and they smile. And they tell you exactly what you need to know that's gonna help you in the future. I want you to spend the next 30 seconds just listening. Just listen. What does the future version of you tell you? This is what intuition and insight is all about. Go ahead and listen, 15 more seconds. Okay, now I want you to take that answer and hold on and walk back along the path to right now, today. So you're moving from your future now to today. And as you move closer and closer along that path to today, it feels more and more comfortable and you can't wait to get back right here. Go ahead and open up your eyes and I want you to write down your answer. What did your future self tell you? What insight did it give you? Go ahead and write that answer down. Now, open up your eyes and know these words. Intuition. Plato believed that we all share a universal mind. 
Each one of us shares our thoughts with each other and with our Creator, something much greater than us. Freud didn't believe in that. He believed that it had to do more with our early upbringing. Many could argue that they both were correct. But most people define intuition as your feelings, your gut, hunches, sixth sense, or an inkling. And in many cases, it's a form of silent knowledge. It's a feeling, or gut, a hunch, because it's hard to articulate. Almost like it's an emotional hack or shortcut. And many people have, they, you know, in Western culture, they believe that our emotions are bad. And as I explained earlier, emotions and feelings are not the same thing. Emotions are the label we give the feelings, right? And people will say, well, it's too emotional in that situation. Emotions oftentimes are, are a shortcut, which is our mind telling our body, you have to do something. For example, the word anger means protection or change. You have to protect yourself or your family members or change what is happening in the situation. It doesn't mean you go and break something or you yell at someone or you harm someone or you harm yourself. Imagine how many people who are in prison, if they had just known that, they could have made a better decision when they recognized that they're using the label of, I'm feeling angry. Well, if they said to themselves, what do I need to protect or what do I need to change? The change could very well be, let me just walk away from the situation, right? And there's all these options that you can come up with now that you have a better term to use. So emotions and intuition, they're tied together. They're linked together. And many times we don't have the time or the words to articulate why we feel the way we do. But it's your mind telling your body, hey, we need to do something here. And when you use the tool that I just gave you of walking into the past or walking into the future, again, you're pulling information from you, your being, on what you need to do, what you could have done differently or what you'll need to do in the future. And it doesn't mean that these are set in stone and crystallized, you can always pivot and be flexible but at least it gives you a foundation to operate from. Now, let's look at information. Information is data that's been put in formation. So data becomes information. Information that can be used and memorized becomes knowledge. That, once we understand the concepts behind it, becomes understanding. Understanding becomes wisdom. Wisdom becomes insight and insight becomes foresight. Or another term is a premonition. You get a glimpse of what will most likely occur in the future. So when you reflect on the lesson you pulled from the past, that helps you right now, which sets you up for being able to have a better or clearer view of what is most likely to occur in the future. Now it's not guaranteed, but we're not trying to do that because no one is 100% accurate. What we're doing is we're tilting the odds in our favor so that we have a much better probability of being able to guess what is happening in the future. This is what premonition is. Being able to take the data, put it in information, go through the system in front of you here by going through the past, acknowledging what exists in the future so that we create a pattern that we can view the future from. Now there's obstacles to intuition. Your diet. If you're eating an unhealthy diet, there is absolutely no way that your body can accurately produce the chemicals which create the feelings which we label as emotion or accurately produce the cognitive ability 
to be intellectually sharp. So if you're eating foods that are very heavy, junk food, things along those lines, there's no way that your body is getting nutrients, vitamins, and minerals that it needs to be able to look into what the future is or even have clarity in right now or clarity in what happened in the past. You get that brain fog, insufficient sleep. If you're not getting enough sleep, there is no way that your memory is gonna be strong enough to be able to recall accurately what occurred in the past. Stress. If you're put under a great drill of stress, you won't be able to remember or have the time to think about where you're headed in your future. So let's look at the majority of the population in the United States. If you're the average person, you only have enough money to scrounge up in an emergency $400. So you're basically surviving. And then when you're in survival mode, you make decisions very differently than when you're in a mindset of abundance, of gratitude, of affluence, of optimism. Stress can prevent you from having that foresight because you're only thinking about what do I need to do right now to make it. Think of someone who's addicted to drugs or alcohol or even sex or pornography. All they're thinking about is the next second or the next minute. So the consequences long term are not readily available in that person's mind. So they'll do things that are going to harm them long term. Another one is doubt. Doubting yourself constantly. How about this? If you struggle with doubt, why don't you begin to doubt that what you're currently doing is not going to work for you? People will often say, well, if I do this, I doubt that it'll work and there's all this risk. No, the real risk is you doing exactly what you're doing now that has not led to you being successful. That's where you should doubt, not what you're trying to do in the future. Doubt is not helpful. It doesn't add value. Having a contingency plan, if things don't work out, then you're going to do this, that adds value. A lack of patience. Being where you're at a point where you're like, you know what, I've been trying this and it's not working. Yeah, but if it's only been three weeks and it's a process that takes years, you have to be patient. You have to have forbearance, simple, joyful holding back of what is due. Another one is a need for certainty. People feeling like, well, I have to be 100% certain that this is going to work out. Well, then you might as well give up because there's nothing is guaranteed. You can do everything right that we know of in human history toward reaching a goal. You can do the right nutrition, the right exercise, so on and so forth, and it still may not get you exactly what it is that you're trying to achieve. The objective is to get as close as possible. So nothing in life is guaranteed with the exception of death and taxes, right? But even the very wealthy have figured out ways to decrease the amount that they pay in taxes. And even the very wealthy as it relates to health have found a way to sustain life as long as possible. Your preferences can get in the way. So confirmation bias. If your intuition and your insight is pointing you in this direction, but you prefer not to do that, they're getting in the way. How many people are so immature that they have, they're currently incapable of separating what they need to do from the way they feel about it? Most people don't like to exercise for 30 minutes or more per day. Or most people don't like the taste of eating healthy foods all the time or the idea of eating healthy foods or most people don't like sitting still and meditating for two minutes that's fine you can be frustrated and upset later on 
But if this is what you know absolutely needs to be done, you do it and then you get upset about it later on. Separate those two. Don't let your preferences get in the way. And then a scattered mind, not being organized. Because most people have been, haven't been trained to think critically, their lives are very much like a dream. And in a dream state, your brain is conjuring up all kinds of images that don't seem to be connected. And in many cases, they're not. Because your consciousness is not filtering them and creating a linear path for them to walk. So when you think about a lot of people, their minds are scattered and it's preventing them from living a life where things are more linear and organized and they can move from one area to the next to the next. And you can say, but I don't wanna do that. I just wanna go with the flow. That's fine. But in order to go with the flow, you still need to know which stream you need to go down, what boat you need to be in, what oars, and maybe even a life jacket because you can't swim. Then you can lay back in the boat and you can just go with the flow. Versus saying, I, I want to go with the flow. I'm just going to run and jump in today. and Whatever happens, happens. You don't want to live like that because the consequences in most cases, you won't ever be prepared for. And then there's fear. Being afraid. Most people will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just lazy, particularly men. No, what it is, is you're afraid. You just don't want to say it. You're afraid about what others are going to think about you. You're afraid of losing money. You're afraid of losing time. You're afraid of failing and having to walk around knowing that you tried and it didn't work out. That's not failure. That's you trying and it didn't work out. Failure is just not even doing it in the first place. You have failed to move forward toward reaching your goal. So here's some intuition boosting exercises. If you have the Tap In Masterclass book, Go to that chapter and you will see all of these activities that you can do, like recording your dreams, for example, that'll help you boost your intuition. If you didn't take the Tap In Masterclass, or I'm sorry, if you don't have the Tap In Masterclass book, then you won't have access to this. But if you have the book, go to that chapter and you'll have all the information you need. Now, where do we go from here? If you aren't already aware, visit rulefromwithin.com. We offer a program called the Impeccable Success Program. It's seven degrees that covers 28 different topics. And in those different topics, each week you learn a whole different uh, concept or idea or system that is gonna help you reach your long-term goals. The first degree is on vision and goal setting. The second degree is on emotional mastery. The third degree is on critical thinking and design thinking. The fourth degree is on uh, supreme health. The fifth degree is on supreme connections, relationships with others, including yourself. The sixth degree is on wealth mastery, where we teach you about trust, financial therapy, behavioral finance, asset allocation, how to read a, a financial statement, how to determine how much risk you have, what are commodities, and we also teach you about trust. How to create a trust for you and your family, which one to create, and how to move forward so that you can begin to, to accumulate real wealth. Also the spiritual side of wealth. In the seventh and final degree, we go over business and leadership. Because at the end of this program, what we wanna do is create leaders. Our success is manifested or reflected in your results. So if you want to learn more, visit rulefromwithin.com and sign up for the Impeccable Success System. You can join now 
we're beginning the sixth degree, or if you wanna to wait till the end of June where we have open enrollment, you'll be able to join then. You also have the option of taking uh, any a la carte classes that you would like. So just DM us on Instagram, or you can email us at rulefromwithin at gmail.com. Rulefromwithin at gmail.com, or visit the website, rulefromwithin.com. I hope you like this class. The live classes are much more detailed where we have up to four hours of information and we get to chat and build with each other, build a cipher back and forth. So it's my pleasure as always. This is Rule From Within signing off and I'll see you in class.